Good afternoon. Welcome to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. We're in the midst of a very interesting week. I'm glad you have a little bit of time to spend with me today. I know you're probably very busy, but with all the businesses closing down, you may be at home and not as busy as usual. Hopefully, everything's going okay. So just a little uh, quick rundown of what's been happening the last week or so. I noticed that, well, the stock market did what I've sort of been predicting it's going to do for quite a while. I don't give direct financial advice, but I do mention uh, things that I've felt and reasons I've given to at least be careful with your money. Now, one of the things this latest round with all the declines in the stock market, it's also been a decline in just about everything. The precious metals have declined just like they did in 08. But remember what happened in 08, the stock market lost about 40 or 50 percent. It bottomed at the magic number of 666, which is actually for a whole nother, for a whole nother program. I won't go into that today. But the low in 09, I believe it was either in 09 or early 2010, was 666 on the S&P. We've already lost about 30% based on the Dow and the S&P. So I'm feeling like there's probably more losses to come. But like I said, this isn't financial advice. I'm not a, not a certified financial planner. I just like to talk about what I'm doing. And I've been telling you that you should have part of your money in physical metals. Now, the interesting thing over the last few days is that even though the, and I've explained many times about the paper price of gold and silver being different than the physical price, and no, it's been very apparent lately that even though technically the price of silver that you see quoted even got below 14 it was in the 13s. If you go online to look to buy some physical silver right now, number one, most places are completely out of all the physical bars and, and coins. The ones that do have some are the types with the premiums, and you can't even get one for less than about twice what they call the paper price right now. I luckily put in an order a few days ago then the next day, the price went down another dollar an ounce for silver. And the problem is that day when it went under 14, the store, the places online where you can buy things didn't have any. And I already knew from the day before when I did place it, an order that it said there's a 10-week delay. I think it was 10. It might have been a 5- or 10-day delay. I'm getting a little confused with all the delays because the delays I've been seeing are also delays for like Amazon when you need things. Right now, things are unavailable, and I'm sure you've been to the store where the, some of the shelves are empty. I would like to say thank you to all the people who needed 500 rolls of toilet paper a week ago <laughs> because I only need about four, and I can't get them. So thank you. And the other thing, I would just say the main thing is if you want to check out the action of what happens in a real, a honest physical market, just go to the places that I look at. Uh, Provident Metals, they're in Oklahoma. No, they're in Texas, I think. There's one called J.M. Bullion. I believe they're in Oklahoma City. Uh, go ahead and check their website. And just shop around as if you're trying to buy some silver bars or coins. You'll see that they're all unavailable. And it's there's a message that says, notify me, which means we don't have any. We'll let you know when we do. That's the status right now of the precious metals. If you see those low prices in the newspaper or on the online when you look at the, the quotes, and the best place to look at these quotes is a place called Kitco, K-I-T-C-O. I think they're Canadian. They have a home page where they show all the prices. I'm rambling a little bit because there's just so much to talk about. I've been harping for a long time and telling my clients too, 
that the stock market is overpriced and it shouldn't be that high. And when it almost hit 30, it's now down hovering around 20. I'm not sure where it is today. Today was one of those up days where one day it's down a thousand or two. The next day it's up a thousand or two. We're on an up day today, but who knows how long that'll last. The main thing is that it was getting to the point where it was looking like the year 2000. If anybody's old enough to remember the dot-com bubble, there were companies that were selling for these astronomical stock prices that didn't even make a profit. Well, we have the same situation today with things like Tesla and some of these other high-flying stocks. In fact, I believe Amazon didn't even make a profit till just a few years ago, and they've been around for like 20 years or at least 15. You got to be careful when you're dealing with buying a stock of a company that doesn't make a profit. And that's what had been happening. There is just so many things going on right now. Hopefully you're safe and you're healthy. I mentioned a few weeks ago on Business Buzz that I was reading about this coronavirus being a man-made virus. I did see a, it was a YouTube presentation, and uh, I don't think I'll find it today. I just have my phone here to be on the internet with. And um, the bottom line is, I believe they've arrested some Harvard University professors who were selling bio things to the Chinese in Wuhan. I would have to look up the exact names, but I just saw a YouTube this morning that had come out. It was from Saturday the 14th, and it talked about the arrest of these Harvard people, and they also mentioned something about University of North Carolina. So I... I, I don't want to get into total conspiracy stuff, but it's turning out these days that the conspiracy stuff is closer to the truth than the stuff you're hearing on the mainstream channels. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't just assume that just because it sounds wild, I wouldn't assume it's not true. I would at least check it out. That, that's about all. I don't want to go into this whole coronavirus all day because that's all everybody else is talking about. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor. I don't play one on television. And I'm really not certain if the things I've read are correct from either side, from the mainstream side or from the alternative side. I will just reserve judgment. I am in the middle of tax season being the CPA is my main business. That is a place where I've been not shaking hands for weeks, even before the coronavirus problem started. And that's a habit that I take care of every tax season. If I end up shaking hands with 10 or 15 different people every day when I'm seeing all these appointments, it's bound that one of those 15 is going to have a cold or something. In the old days when I did shake hands without thinking about it, I would get a cold every now and then during tax season. And I can't afford to do that. Uh, The older I get, we don't discuss age on Business Buzz, but the older I get, the less I can shake off a cold and go to work and get less sleep. When I was younger, I've been doing taxes now during tax season like this every year for the last 40 years. When I was younger, I could go home at 2 a.m., get up at 7, be back for appointments starting at 9, and only have five or six hours sleep. That's not the case anymore. I need, I really do need at least seven or eight hours of sleep. So I'm just not able to handle getting a cold during tax season. It just, it really can't happen. So I've been doing the no handshaking anyway, the whole tax season. Now everybody understands it and it's nice now because nobody puts their hand out because everybody knows they're not supposed to be shaking hands, which is actually a good thing anyway. I believe there's some, I'm not a world traveler, I believe there's some foreign countries where people don't touch all the time. They bow or they wave, but they don't necessarily touch all the time. And I think that touching is just bad. That's bad health-wise, whether there's a coronavirus thing going on or not. I do want to say, though, that I, I was the first person I heard locally 
to mention that this may be a man-made virus, and I don't know if anybody else has really been discussing that, but I did say it about, oh, about a month or five, four or five weeks ago. So if I turn out to be right, I will take the credit. Thank you. So with me being super busy and all these things happening in the stock market, I just kind of almost got like overload with things I'd like to talk about with you. And since you're spending part of your day with me, maybe you're driving, maybe you're at home. The schools are closed, so I know you're not picking up children from school today. I just have a too many things to talk about, so I'm not going to overdo anything. I'm just going to take it easy and enjoy this nice break that I've got being here. I did want to revisit today the bottom line of all the problems. Now, I want to talk about the things, if I can find this article, because I don't have it all on the top of my head, of course. Okay, I'm going to read a little bit of this one. Uh, helicopter money sparks bond backlash. Stocks bounce on Fed bailout, but bank liquidity worsens. So that's a headline from Zero Hedge today, and that's where I recommend you get your at least get some financial news there. It says, U.S. futures traded limit up overnight, plunged back to the lows of the day, soared back above overnight highs, dumped again, ripped again, then slumped. Thousands of Dow points in the swings on the back of various political and monetary headlines of ever-increasing bailouts and warnings. That is malarkey. So some brief exuberance in stocks. So the banking system liquidity worsened. Now, I've been talking about what's called the repo market. It started in September. There were some spikes where the analysts that really know about these things, I'm just sort of surface. I'm not an expert, but I read what the experts do say. And they said back in September that something was broken. And there was some problem with this interbank overnight money, and they were doing this thing called the repo, where it was it was turning out to be billions and billions of dollars every night that had to be sent back and forth to these banks. And the bottom line was they have no cash and they're broke. And so even now, it says, uh, simply put, it appears the bond market is starting to panic about modern monetary theory becoming an imminent reality, not a good sign for the Fed, the Treasury, and all Americans. And while this may lead to dollar weakness in the end game, for now liquidity is all that matters and the dollar soared higher again as the financial system's liquidity crisis showed no signs of abating. The dollar is up six days in a row. Today was the dollar's biggest daily gain since the flight to quality after after the UK's Brexit vote in June of 2016 and the biggest six-day gain since Lehman, which is the 2008 disaster where our Congress was forced into bailing out foreign banks to the tune of, I believe, $12 trillion. Where where did that all come out? Now, the other thing is, I, I don't have the article in front of me. I'll try to find it here during a break. I believe the Fed is trying to, are you ready for this? I've been telling you this thing called QE. They're buying all the bonds. They're buying all the mortgage-backed securities. Now they're talking about buying corporate bonds, which means the corporate bonds are all becoming junk bonds. Not all, but most of them. They're energy companies with the low oil prices. Their bonds are getting downgraded. It turns out that Corporate bonds that used to be great, like General Electric, are now basically junk bonds, and it looks like the Fed's going to have to bail those out by buying them when nobody else wants them. So that's the situation we're in with all these markets, and I'll talk a little bit more about that in the next segment after this first break. It's just there's so much going on, it's hard to really keep up with it all. I just hope you guys are safe and healthy and They're making sure that people don't go out too much and spread anything, so stay healthy. And I'll be right back after this break on Business Buzz. Don't go anywhere.
Yesterday, we talked about Elijah doing a miracle by causing a fallen axe head to float to the surface. They needed this axe head to finish cutting down the trees to build a bigger house for the move of God that was taking place among the prophets. God raised up the axe, but Elijah told the young prophet that he would have to go in and get it. He would have to pick it up from the river. I'm Gary Wilkerson, and I want to see you pick your passion back up. If you've lost your passion, Jesus will bring it to the surface, but you'll have to play a part, and that part is faith in action. You'll have to go in for it. Where did your passion fall? Pick it up. Where did your faith fall? Pick it up. Where did your endurance fall? Pick it up. Where did your confidence fall? Pick it up. Where did your trust fall? Pick it up. Where did your vision fall? Pick it up. Your hope? Pick it up. Your godly ambition? Pick it up. Maybe even your praise. It's time to pick it up. God will help you pick up your passion. Tell us how we can pray with you at pray.worldchallenge.org. That's pray.worldchallenge.org. I'm Gary Wilkerson. Sometimes insurance can be a confusing business. I can't stress enough the importance of having a single professional insurance agent to help make sense of all your personal and business insurance policies. You don't want to get caught without the right coverage. For all your insurance needs, trust Brad Jacobson, your local farmer's insurance agent. Call 891-7900 for a free consultation and a policy review. 891-7900 for Brad Jacobson, your local farmer's insurance agent. Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. In this time of crazy stock market downturns, which is probably eating up well over the last week or two, if you have a normal type of portfolio where you're not really protective and really nervous and really tight-gripped on your money, you may have lost about 30% already in whatever is in your retirement account. And I wanted to spend a little bit of time today talking about an alternative investment that may be right for you. Now, it's not right for everybody. It's something that is almost gets a bad rap because of there's a lot of different products, and I'll just break the ice this way. I'm talking about a particular type of annuity. Annuities have gotten a bad rap. Now, annuities can work pretty well when the stock market goes way up, but there's a type of annuity that's very risky called a variable annuity. That is one of the main features of an annuity, number one, is that generally you don't pay any tax on the growth of that annuity until you cash it in. So it's a good tax vehicle, even for your after-tax non-IRA money, non-retirement money, which is called non-qualified money. And this basic rule of annuities is a real good tax saver. The problem is some of these variable annuities have swings just as big as a stock because they're directly related to investments in the stock market. In fact, people who are able to sell variable annuities have to have a securities license, a stockbroker type license. Those type of annuities Though they may be okay for some people, that's out of my realm. That's out of my wheelhouse, so to speak. Number one, I don't want to be a securities dealer. I don't want to be a broker for securities. I would not sleep well trying to refer people to the stock market when I know how every few years it does a crash like this. I couldn't sleep at night knowing I had placed somebody's money into something like that. That makes me tend to be very conservative when I do give, and I don't give financial advice because I'm not a certified financial planner, but I do tell people what I do and I tell people what I think. And some people take my advice, some people don't. A lot of them would have probably made a lot of money in the last run-up of the stock market. And I've been more of a chicken little on the whole thing saying it's probably going to go down. In that respect, I'm too conservative, but now that it's crashing, it just goes to show that it's true that it always crashes. One of my other main points I like to remind people, and it's so clear right now, is the short and sweet saying it goes down a lot faster than it goes up. This last, this $9,000 decline that we've seen in the last week or two 
probably took, I don't know, nine, 10 months, maybe a year to build up that far. And within two weeks, it's all gone. That's how fast it goes down. And 90% of what they call retail investors, that's people like you and me, normal, regular people. We're not sitting there at the button ready to sell when it starts going down. We wait until it hits some big bottom and then we say, oh, maybe we should sell now. Or is it now time to buy? Well, nobody really knows, but the big boys protect their stock investments. They buy what's called options and they buy put options so that a rich guy that's got a billion dollars in the stock market doesn't have that much risk because he spends probably, you know, $50,000 a month buying what's called put options. And so if the stock market crashes, his losses in his stocks are offset by the huge gains in these options that are a bet that the market's going to go down. So rich people with a lot of stock and a lot of dividend income, they take part of their dividend income every month and buy put options. Now, how many people do you know with your their 401k at work or the people that you know, how many of those people buy put options on the S&P to protect their stock account? I can tell you it's virtually none. Number one, it's expensive. And number two, nobody told them to do it. I have a quick story about the prior market downturn. One of my clients had a decent amount of money in their account. They had inherited it. They had children that were going to be going to college very soon. The investment account was basically a nest egg to cover the kids' college costs. When the market crashed, like it always does, this was probably in the 08 crash. When the market crashed, I'll give you a quick synopsis of what I heard their financial planner told them. When they called and said, our, our, that's our kid's education account. When they called and said that, the financial planner had the had the tenacity to say, well, you know what? A lot of kids are going to Butte these days. Now that to me is just not acceptable. Those people should have been protected and you should have been protected. If you've been listening to Business Buzz, you've probably bought at least a couple of ounces of gold. And even though the gold paper price looks like it's going down, the physical market is finally starting to disconnect from the paper. So getting back to my topic of annuities, if you get involved with a particular product and the style of product is called a fixed indexed annuity, what it does is it allows you to participate in the upswings of the market, but not share in the downturns. If the first year after you've invested your money in this account, and the stock market has done well, your account will go up in value. Maybe not the full amount of the stock. If the stock market went up 20%, you won't get a whole 20% up, but you'll get a big chunk up in this product, and it's it's this fixed-indexed annuity. At that point, that your account will never go lower. Let's just use a couple numbers. Let's say you invest $100,000. There's a good stock market year. And at the anniversary of your year, your account now becomes worth, say, $110,000. Then the next year, let's say it's another good stock market year, and you share that. And let's say after the second year, now your account's worth $120,000. Now, you know, every few years, one of these crashes occurs. So let's, let's just pretend that in year three, it's like this year, and now it's down 30% in two weeks. Guess what happens to your 120000 in this annuity? It doesn't go down. You never lose the amount that you earned at that point where you went up. It's called a fixed index annuity. It's not for everybody and it's not for all of your money. It's just, it's for a part of your money that you want to say, I never want this money to not be there. And I have a few years to leave it in there to do this kind of growth without the downside risk. 
a lot of brokers don't mention these to people. Number one, they're not interested in them. Number two, the word annuity gets a bad rap, like I was saying, because of the ones called variable annuities. Those can be disasters. But these fixed index annuities are perfect vehicles for some people for some of their money. Now, if you're interested in finding out more about it, I will be doing some seminars after tax season where I can educate people and expose them to these options that they mostly didn't even know they had. The people who have had them, believe me, I've worked with people who have had them for a long time. They're very, very happy with the stability of their money. And the fact that they do get a bump when the market does well, but they get a flat line, zero, no loss when the market tanks. I'll be talking a little bit later about how far this market might go. I will point out real quickly, in 1929, when the Black Monday hit the big stock market crash in October of 1929, it took... I believe three years, it's either three or four years, I think it was three. It took three years for the load to hit after that crash in 29. I'll pick that back up as soon as the end of this break. Stay tuned to Business Buzz. Sometimes insurance can be a confusing business. I can't stress enough the importance of having a single professional insurance agent to help make sense of all your personal and business insurance policies. You don't want to get caught without the right coverage. For all your insurance needs, trust Brad Jacobson, your local farmer's insurance agent. Call 891-7900 for a free consultation and a policy review. 891-7900 for Brad Jacobson, your local farmer's insurance agent. From the Pacific Justice Institute, this is The Legal Edge, defending your rights as a Christian, a parent, and a citizen. Here's Brad Dickus. Even the Space Force is not immune from attacks from anti-religion, actually anti-Christian groups. You see, the Military Religious Freedom Foundation complained that a recent ceremony using the Bible at the Episcopal National Cathedral in Washington, D.C. was blessing the Space Force as a Christian group. Well, constitutional experts consider the objections as a publicity stunt and remind us that the first words spoken from space were from the book of Genesis. To learn more about your rights to publicly practice your faith, visit pji.org. The Pacific Justice Institute provides legal representation to individuals without charge. Learn more at pacificjustice.org. That's pacificjustice.org. We bless Almighty God. Let us outdo one another in kindness, unselfish love, and good deeds one to another. Train up our beloved children and grandchildren in the age-old truths exemplified by the Christ. Respect and protect the lives of fellow human beings, pre-born and post-born. Our choices do affect the future blessings God can bestow on us. America, bless God. Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA, hoping you're enjoying your day with me, part of your day. I try to be entertaining, educating, and I try to predict the future. Well, that's not so easy. So I'm going to go to, real quickly, we're going to talk about the bailouts that are happening again, just like in 08. Here we go again. Trillions of dollars will be spent just like that movie, there will be blood. There will be cat. There will be money. Problem is, who's it going to, and who's going to get it? How many foreign banks will get trillions this time? So anyway, I'm just going to read real quickly out of Wikipedia, which I don't recommend you take Wikipedia as gospel. I just read an article that shows that there's ten or twelve full-time editors that go in and edit all day long, and it's supposed to be like the People's Encyclopedia, but 
Hmm. Turns out that's not quite the way this works. So I'm just going to read a little bit. For things like, you know, definitions and facts, uh, Wikipedia is fine. But when you get to certain topics, I wouldn't really buy into everything they say. Okay, I'm going to read this. Quantitative easing. And the reason I'm bringing this up is that the Federal Reserve just announced its fifth round of quantitative easing, which is called QE for short. Quantitative easing, also known as large-scale asset purchases, is a monetary policy whereby a central bank buys predetermined amounts of government bonds or other financial assets in order to add money directly into the economy. An unconventional form of monetary policy, it is usually used when inflation is very low or negative, and standard expansionary monetary policy has become ineffective. A central bank implements quantitative easing by buying specified amounts of financial assets from commercial banks and other financial institutions, thus raising the prices of those financial assets and lowering their yield while simultaneously increasing the money supply. Okay, well, if you have listened to Business Buzz at all over the last couple of years, I think you'll notice that there's nothing good about this. The fact that they have to do it, just that fact alone is why the stock market tanked 2,000 or something more points Monday. Because on Sunday, they came out with this announcement, and it's not that the pumping in of this money ought to support asset prices. The problem is the fact that they have to do it means that everybody loses confidence that the system is broken. That's the problem. So whenever you see QE starting up again, which it just did, that means that the system's not working, there's no buyers for these financial assets, and it's basically our tax money is going to buy these financial assets. So if you own a lot of these financial assets, then more power to you because you've got the backstop of our tax dollars buying them up so that your prices don't go down too, too far and too fast. Unfortunately, most people don't own these financial assets, so uh, I'm not certain it's that great of an idea. Getting back on that topic, I'm going to revisit my favorite story of the last year or two. It's probably been out longer than that, but I've been sharing it for at least a year. If you've been listening to Business Buzz, you'll recognize this when I say two, I think this is two words. Well, I'll, I'll say it's three words. $23 trillion. Does that ring a bell? It's the missing $23 trillion. So I'm going to revisit this. If you want to look up more about it, just type in Mark Skidmore and Catherine Fitz, F-I-T-T-S. And uh, I printed this thing out just so I could kind of review this. So, Okay, uh, since we first published the report, so I'll give you the quick background if you don't remember. A Michigan State University economics professor had his students research accounting errors and funny entries on Department of Defense and Housing and Urban Development for a 15-year period. They found that the accounting adjustments in those 15 years in just those two departments added up to over $23 trillion missing. You know, it may have been $21 trillion. Well, you know, a trillion here, a trillion there, pretty, pretty soon you're talking real money. Okay. So I'm just going to read a little bit more about this. It says, uh, summary report on unsupported journal voucher adjustments in the financial statements of the Office of the Inspector General for the Department of Defense and the Department of Housing and Urban Development. This thing that I printed out says, since we first published this report, it appears that some of the links to original sources at the Office of the Inspector General have been changed or taken offline. However, all of the original government documents can be found at Solari. Uh, S-O-L-A-R-I is the website of this Catherine Fitz lady, and she's got everything saved on her website, so you can find these if you want to look at them. Of course, you know, being an accountant, I do a lot of income tax work, not that much good old real accounting like I had to learn to become a CPA. That is what journal adjustments are all about. And I remember having to make journal adjustments when I was doing that kind of accounting. And it's like, 
Well, a journal adjustment means you got a you got a mistake somewhere, and you have to fudge something. That's basically what they're saying. So, I'm going to just read part of this uh, printout I looked at here regarding this 21 trillion. On September 10th, 2001, Secretary that, remember that's the day before 9/11. On September 10th, 2001, Secretary of Defense Donald Rumsfeld stated in a congressional hearing that the Department of Defense had lost track of 2.3 trillion dollars in transactions. Mr. Rumsfeld made the following statement. Quote, according to some estimates, we cannot track 2.3 trillion in transactions. We cannot share information from floor to floor in this building because it's stored on dozens of technological systems that are inaccessible or incompatible. Since that time, numerous documents produced by the Office of the Inspector General have reported trillions of dollars as, quote, unsupported journal voucher adjustments, end quote. According to the Office of the Comptroller, the definition of journal vouchers is as follows. Journal vouchers are summary-level accounting adjustments made when balances between systems cannot be reconciled. Often these journal vouchers are unsupported, meaning they lack supporting documentation to justify the adjustment or are not tied to specific accounting transactions. While many adjustments are valid, having too many journal vouchers may be an indicator of underlying problems such as weak internal controls. For an auditor, journal vouchers are a red flag for transactions not being captured, reported, or summarized correctly. Auditors must judge whether the errors that triggered the journal voucher are isolated or systemic, leading them to select more transactions to test. If the auditors cannot estimate the magnitude of the errors, they may not be able to complete the audit or issue an opinion on the financial statements. Any journal voucher or entry requires appropriate documentation such as receipts with accompanying explanations. Journal voucher entries without such documentation are referred to as, quote, unsupported journal voucher entries and unsupported journal voucher adjustments are sometimes used to reconcile accounts. According to DeVries and Kiger, that sounds like book authors, when auditing private entities, unsubstantiated journal entries and other adjustments represent significant exposure to potential fraud. Thus, in both the private and public sectors, unsupported journal voucher entries and adjustments are considered red flags for potential fraud. So, uh, I'm not going to belabor every little bit, but in this thing where they're talking about their uh, Dr. Skidmore's uh, study, it says, while we were unable to recover for data, data for a number of years, we were successful in identifying $21 trillion, so I, it was 21, not 23, Par, pardon me, uh, in identifying $21 trillion in unsupported adjustments for DOD and $350 billion for HUD. For those unaccustomed to dealing with large figures, $21 trillion is equal to about $166,000 per household in the United States. For further context, the entire sum of authorized DOD and HUD spending for these years was $8.6 trillion and $781 billion, respectively. Thus, the unsupported journal voucher adjustments we identified for Department of Defense, which are incomplete, were more than twice the size of authorized spending over the period. I mean, let's think about that for a minute. I'm not going to keep reading this. I've talked about this numerous times. Think about this. Our entire system with all this huge national debt, the bottom line is the money's been stolen. Now, uh, supposedly there's been an audit of the, there's an, there's an ongoing audit of the Defense Department for the first time ever that I believe started in 2017 or 2018. I haven't heard that much news coming out of that. My point is we're broke and somebody stole all that money. I'm afraid that the last 70 years since World War II, and I don't know about before that, I've only been alive for part of the period since World War II. I'm a little concerned that the entire last 70 years, the entire government has just been stealing all the money and sending it off to weird places and probably some of it back to the politicians like laundering drug money, but it's stolen money. That's my suspicion, and it's not. It's not good. When we have a system that's completely bankrupt and we have trillions and trillions of dollars of debt, 
but then it turns out that that much has been stolen in a 15-year period, it's, to me, it's, it's mind-boggling. And anybody who doesn't appreciate the fact that it's probably been stolen, I think, is just living with their head in the sand. So that's just my, you know, I, I won't call it my opinion because I read a lot. I am a CPA, so I'm aware of journal adjustments. I mean, think about how you've, think about how the feeling you get if the IRS was auditing your tax return and you showed them a number that you couldn't back up and you called it an adjustment. You think they would just let it slide? I'll be right back for the final segment of Business Buzz right after this message. Don't go anywhere. Hi, this is Pastor Chris Kinson of Community Church of God in Chico, and I'm happy to announce that our church has joined KKXX. Community Church of God has been a fixture in Chico for many years, and now we'll be coming to you over the airwaves. Our program is called Your Message for Today, and will be broadcast on Saturday and Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. We hope that you enjoy the Bible-based teaching and preaching that will be featured on these programs. We'd also like to extend to you an invitation to come and visit us at Community Church of God, 1095 East Avenue in Chico. Our services are 11 a.m. Sundays and Bible studies at 7 p.m. Wednesdays. Come and worship with Community Church of God and may God richly bless you. Tom has been a teacher for over 40 years. One day, I think one of the students had asked the question and he didn't remember the answer. And I also noticed that he was letting his class out earlier than they were supposed to let out. I was really starting to worry. Levi and I talked about how it would change our lives, but he was there beside me. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash stories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Glad you have a chance to spend part of your day with me. Hopefully you're doing okay with the shutdowns and the business closings, and it's not a pretty sight. I did hear today they're talking about getting ready to send a check to everyone in the country. I'm assuming that'll be everybody who's been filing their income taxes, so be be good boys and girls. File your taxes. So now that we're in the midst of a complete market meltdown, which is not going to get much better, what what better thing to do than to visit our old friend on Business Buzz, Egon von Greyers? Because lo and behold, he's got a article that he just posted today on March 16th. His website, I like to give credit where credit's due. Since we're talking about debt, we'll talk about credit. GoldSwitzerland.com. And his latest post, and I haven't even read this yet, so we'll read it together. The demise of the financial system is imminent, March 16. The next five years is not about winning but surviving. This is the headline of an article I wrote in early August 2019. At that point, I was primarily thinking of economic survival. But now the world is facing multiple threats and multiple failures. As I have already stated, the coronavirus is not the cause of global global market crashes, but the catalyst. Now, I want to point out a few weeks ago on Business Buzz, I mentioned that, number one, it very well be a man-made virus, and number two, it seemed to me that it was going to be used as the scapegoat for the world economy crashing, which was going to happen anyway. That is my feeling. So I'm going to continue reading. But even if I have been totally certain that the world we see We'll see an economic collapse greater than any crisis for hundreds of years. This is the worst catalyst that anyone could have expected. Yes, a global virus was always one of the potential risks, but of all triggers, this one is 
was certainly the most unwelcome and horrible. Before I talk about markets and gold further on in this article, I will mention some of the horrific effects that are now hitting the world due to coronavirus. Just to summarize that my market views haven't changed. Stocks will go down by at least 90% from here, and gold will surge to levels that few can imagine. No one knows the extent of people affected by the coronavirus. China has never given us the real figures, and the rest of the world hasn't got a clue where they stand. Every country thinks they are in control of the situation until they panic. Outside of Asia, poor Italy got it first, and there we have seen an exponential growth of the number of people affected. And still in Italy, like in most other countries, they haven't got a clue how many people have been infected. Same in the UK, US, Sweden, Switzerland. Okay, I'm not going to go into all that because I want to know what this guy thinks about the financial side. I'm, he, this guy's not a doctor. Okay, any uh, Europe is shutting down. Any government and health authority just needs to look at Italy to understand how quickly the coronavirus spreads. Okay. Spain is starting to close a major part of the country, including the whole tourist industry. And that's something else. I was lucky enough to be able to go to London this past summer. And now I'm really glad I did because it looks like there won't be any European travel or any foreign travel for quite a while. It says small businesses don't even have cash for two weeks. For a world economy that is totally dependent on credit to the extent of $265 trillion, what is happening is a total disaster. Small business will not have cash to survive for even a couple of weeks. Same with ordinary people. Virtually nobody has any savings, only debt. Many are being laid off already. The airline industry was extremely weak before the crisis. Norwegian Airlines has already made 50% of staff redundant. The tourist industry with its thin margins is collapsing. The same is happening in a great number of industries. The banking industry will not survive the next phase, but will initially be the beneficiaries of massive global money printing. And that gets back to the QE quantitative easing I was just talking about. What is now happening economically in the world was totally predictable, even though the catalyst was not the most obvious one. But what is not obvious for 99.5% of investors is what will happen next. And for most people, it is, of course, impossible to understand a market that can go down 2,000 points in one day and up 2,000 the next, like the Dow. This is obviously totally illogical and irrational behavior. With high-frequency trading and irrational investors creating a lot of this volatility, how can we expect markets to behave in a logical manner? And more importantly, with dip-buying investors having been supported by central banks for decades, it has been impossible to lose money. But those days are now over. Even after the Friday the 13th 2,000-point Dow rally, the false optimism will return for a day or so. Sadly, anyone buying the dips in the current market is going to be burnt for years. Let me summarize how I see markets in the short and long term. And this is Egon von Greyer's talking, not me. Stocks globally have topped and crashed as I forecast in January and February. And then he points out his articles. We are now facing a secular bear market which will last for at least five to seven years. The economy will be in a recession and depression for much longer than that. There will, of course, be volatility on the way down with major pullbacks. But there is absolutely no question that all stock markets will decline by 90% or more in coming years. There will, of course, be violent corrections up like we saw last Friday, often assisted by the plunge protection team in the U.S. and similar in other countries. And I want to point out that I've mentioned many times on Business Buzz the plunge protection team that actually goes in and buys stock. Wouldn't that be nice if you were on that team? You could pick which stock you buy that day. In other words, you would buy the one you bought the day before in your personal portfolio. You would have the plunge protection team buy it the next day. Wouldn't that be nice? Some people live that way. It must be nice. I'm going to continue reading. Gold. Often when a crisis starts, the public focuses on the wrong area. Thus, shops both in Europe and the U.S. have run out of toilet paper. Yes, toilet paper is useful in the short term, but history has taught us that in the medium term, as hyperinflation ravages, Gold will be much more important to own. For the very few Venezuelans who understood this 10 to 20 years ago, it saved their lives. Let me categorically state that there is no no shortage of gold yet. Some dealers are reporting that they are running out of stock. There was a recent article on Zero Hedge on this subject by a Singapore dealer. Precious metals dealers who mainly deal in retail quantities 
are probably running out of gold and silver coins. I will point out here that I just mentioned in a previous segment today that the places that I look to look for silver coins, they're basically out. Okay, I'm going to continue. Some, uh, But as we are based in Switzerland, where 70% of all the gold bars in the world are made, we can state that there is currently no shortage of physical gold at the wholesale level. There is ample supply of gold bars currently from the Swiss refiners, but there is high demand for smaller retail bars. That is the good news. The bad news is that this situation is not going to last long. As we know, the gold price is set in the paper market currently. And when global markets panic, many speculators in paper gold sell their positions for liquidity reasons. This gives the manipulators with the Bank of International Settlements leading the exercise a chance to push gold down $100 on a Friday afternoon in Europe over a three-hour period like they did on February 13th. The Bank of International Settlements and their lackeys, the bullion banks, clearly wanted the opportunity to pick up gold at bargain prices before the real rally starts. Due to coronavirus, the Swiss refiners are now cutting down on production as they must reduce the work shifts. At some point, it is possible that production must shut down completely. At this stage, decisions are taken from day to day. This is likely to lead to shortages of both gold and silver in the short to medium term. Gold is at the very beginning of a long-term bull market. And he goes on to talk about the things that he's always talked about. So I won't belabor you with every little detail. But I will say that there is lots of craziness coming. And a lot of it will be, you'll be able to see it in the price of gold. And if you think the price of gold is the one you read when you see the paper market price like Kitco, that isn't necessarily what you can get it for. And the real, the real shocker is that silver is the one that's really running out. I've talked in the past about the gold-silver ratio. In other words, the normal historical ratio of the gold price divided by the silver price historically is around 15 to 1. The silver versus gold that comes out of the ground is normally about 9 to 1. The amazing thing right now with these paper market prices that are fake, but you could still try to buy physical metal on them with those numbers, it's over 120, it was over 120 to 1 today. It's never been that high in history. In fact, I'm going to try to look that up right now. Um, well, I just looked it up on Kitco. You can, you can go to kitco.com and you'll see a markets, uh, box to click the market and, uh, you'll see that the gold silver ratio is like over 120. It's never been this high in history. Normally when it gets super high, that's the time when the silver price will start moving upward. I did want to cover one other article real quickly. This is actually from the end of January. But trust me, you didn't hear about this on CNN, and you won't. Mainstream won't touch this one. This is an article called, oh, shoot, I lost it. Hang on. It's called Harvard Chemical Biology Scientist Arrested for Receiving Over $2 Million from Chinese Wuhan University. And it says, federal prosecutors have brought charges against Harvard University's Department of Chemistry and Chemical Biology chair. That's a big shot. Chair for lying to the Defense Department about money he received from China's Wuhan University of Technology. Charles M. Lieber, the chair of Harvard's Department of Chemistry and Chemical Biology, allegedly violated federal law by not disclosing his involvement in China's Thousand Talents Plan to the Defense Department, including money he received. The charges brought by the U.S. government against Professor Lieber are extremely serious, Harvard said in a statement. Harvard is cooperating with federal authorities, including the National Institutes of Health, and is initiating its own review of the alleged misconduct. The documents presented by federal prosecutors on Tuesday allege that Lieber was paid $50,000 monthly along with 158000 in living expenses and $1.74 million to set up a research, research lab at Wuhan University. Well, that's a funny coincidence, isn't it? Wuhan, 
Isn't that where this whole thing started? The money was allegedly transferred using China's Thousand Talents program, which aims to poach Western science and technology experts and bring them to work in China in those fields. The National Institutes of Health was also allegedly lied to by Lieber regarding his involvement in the Thousand Talents recruitment plan and his affiliation with China's Wuhan University. NBC News reported that law enforcement has confirmed Lieber is in federal custody as of Tuesday. In 2011, Lieber was featured in a Harvard Magazine article for his work on virus-sized transistors. Lieber has worked for the past decade on the design and synthesis of nanoscale parts that will enable him to build tiny electronic devices. Aha! The rest comes as Wuhan is under quarantine after the spread of the coronavirus. Wuhan has been confirmed as the epicenter of the biological crisis. I will just not go any further with that, but I'll let your I'll let your imaginations run wild like mine does. What in the heck is going on? I'll tell you one thing, it's not what you're being told is going on. I can that part I can guarantee. The only time you'll get this alternative viewpoint, at least around here, as far as I know, is by listening to business buzz. That will do it. That'll take care of you. So let's see if in the last uh Let's see if in the last minute we can just go over a quick Course in Miracles lesson just so you, so we leave you feeling good today. Lesson one from the workbook. Nothing I see in this room means anything. Now look slowly around you and practice applying this idea very specifically to whatever you see. This table does not mean anything. This chair does not mean anything. This hand does not mean anything. This foot does not mean anything. This pen does not mean anything. Then look farther away from your immediate area and apply the idea to a wider range. That door does not mean anything. That body does not mean anything. Okay, now that I've given you a little way to relax your mind, I will catch you next time on Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Thanks for listening. Until next time, stay healthy. KKXX, Paradise, K280GL, Chico, and K283AR, Chico. Here's this hour from townhall.com. I'm Keith Peters. Vice President Mike Pence told today's briefing by the White House Coronavirus Task Force that New York City has become a dangerous transmission point for the coronavirus. We are asking anyone who has traveled out of the New York City metropolitan area to anywhere else in the country to self-isolate for 14 days. Uh, we have to deal with the New York City metropolitan area as a high-risk area. Uh, and for that reason, we're, uh, we're taking these steps.
uh, and asking for the cooperation of the American people. Dr. Anthony Fauci of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases says there's a good reason for this. Also, the idea about self-isolating for two weeks will be very important because we don't want that to be another seeding point to the rest of the country, wherever they go. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo's warning that hospitals in America's infection hotspot are about to get hit by a bullet train. Congressional and White House officials said Tuesday they were closing out final details of unprecedented legislation to rush sweeping aid to businesses and workers facing ruin from the coronavirus pandemic. After days of pressure, unusual partisanship in a crisis, and intense haggling over the fine print, negotiators appeared almost done with a nearly $2 trillion bill. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell says every American needs help right now. We need an all-of-the-above approach. And that's what our framework put forward. Help for workers and families and employers and health care providers. Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin and congressional leaders engaged in final negotiations after a tumultuous but productive day on Monday While the two sides have resolved many issues in the sweeping package, some sticking points remained. A Senate vote appeared likely on Wednesday with a House vote to follow. More on these stories at townhall.com. If your family depends on your income and something happened to you, what would happen to them? You need life insurance, and SelectQuote can help you get it at a price you can afford. SelectQuote found Jacob, 40, who's in excellent health, a 10-year, $500,000 policy for only $19 a month. Not in perfect health? Don't worry. SelectQuote found Tanya, 40, who has type 2 diabetes, a 10-year, $500,000 policy for only $32 a month. We shop companies like Protective, Prudential, American General, and others to find you the company with the best rates. Give your family the security they need at a price you can afford. For your free quote, call 1-800-880-7474. That's 1-800-880-7474.